Hello, everyone, and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. My name is Grant, and I'm joined by co-hosts George. Hello. And Liam. Good. Hello. I can't say good morning or good afternoon because it could be either where they are. Or evening. Or evening. Dusk. Oh, good, good something doesn't work. So hello, good. everybody. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, straight back in. So smooth. Straight yeah. back in. Yeah. What a great intro. It's I'm like so... we've never done this before. Yeah. <laughs> well, not since June, whenever this, <laughs> yeah. for the three of us. Uh, each episode, one of us will propose an album that we consider to be flawless and what that means to each of us. So it is before June that I would have proposed an album and it's my turn now and I'm super freaking stoked. Hmm. He just did like physical movements, which proves stokedness. <laughs> In yeah. my life, at least. And I'm proposing today to that uh, Matchbox 20's first album, Yourself or Someone Like You, to be flawless. Well, I wonder what it's like to be the rainmaker. I wonder what it's like to know that I made the rain. So here we go. Um, welcome everyone. So might start open up the floor here to Liam and George. What did you heard of Matchbox 20 before you were requested to listen with an open heart and and well cleaned ears? Oh my God, listen to the manipulation <laughs> from this guy. Matchbox 20, Rob Dude, Thomas. Dude, we've done this before. Okay, so what have I heard of uh, Matchbox 20? I want to push you around. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. That one. Okay. That's what I'd heard of Matchbox 20. And that was it? Pretty much. Okay. I, yeah. I'd also heard that one, but also the <laughs> other singles as well. So 3AM and I should look it up. It's good. Uh, Real World. I knew that one as well. And then also, I know Smooth. I may not have ever heard the song all the way through, but I know really? enough of the little bits of it that... Okay. Because I because it yeah. Because of Carlos or just huh? because it was big at the time? Just because it was big at the time and it was everywhere. Same as the singles on this. Like it, sure. they were just yeah. Okay. I wasn't listening to the to the stations that were playing this stuff and I still knew those Don't. three singles because they were everywhere and okay. unavoidable. Okay. Mm. Right. And you were in the UK when it was yep, when sure you would was. have heard that? Yeah, I was eleven. Eleven, hey, wow. Yeah, just to make you feel bad about yourself. <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, okay. Well, well, yeah. look. Yes. Okay. Um, so, yourself or someone like, or someone like you was released late 1996. Um, it sold over 12 million copies worldwide, and um, the band itself at that time was Rob Thomas, Carl Cook, Paul, Paul Dussay, um Brian Yale, and Adam Gay, I believe. Um, Number of singles that we've mentioned. We'll go. We'll we'll formalise that a little bit later. Um, I actually heard this. Um, I probably would have heard uh, the. I probably would have heard Push first mm-hmm. in South Africa. I don't actually think Real World made it or charted at all with any relevance um, in, in my my homeland. And and then 3 a.m. So in, in, maybe Push, perhaps 3 a.m. One of those two at the time were um, were. Uh, 
the ones that that certainly resonated with me. Yeah. But but um, and and I thought, oh, geez, listen, these are like so. And 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 I think the video of Push had come out, and I thought, well, this guy looks just a little bit intense, and yeah. I <laughs> might have been <laughs> a little bit more intense <laughs> um, at that time. But I thought oh, I need to listen to this uh, to this album album a bit more. So you knew right from the start when you first heard them. Oh yeah, this is I like this. this is the band I'm going to be interested in. Yeah, well, um, late '96 was my my last year at school. I might maybe would have heard it then, but certainly '97, first year of university, um, and beginning of '98. I, I specifically remember 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, beginning of '98 for for whatever reason. Um, but I mean, and I think with all of us in this journey of, of the, of the pitching of the flawless album, that, um, that it's the context in which it, it all occurred. So, sure. um, th- it might get a bit heavy, this, this one and, uh, and very close to my heart, certainly life changing event, 14th of, of April, 1998, haven't heard the whole album. Um, the family as in my father, my dad, my, my, my mom and my brother are, um, are in transit. We, we're traveling from Joburg to uh, to our hometown of East London, and we stopped by a town called Kroonstad. Now, Kroonstad in uh, in English is uh, Crown City, and middle of the Free State. I think you'd probably struggle to find anyone um, outside of Kroonstad that would say it is the Crown City. Right. <laughs> so more, um, of a, more of a promise than a, or a hopeful than a actual statement. Yes. Yeah. So probably maybe even third or fourth um, largest city in the Orange Free State. Mm-hmm. Um, randomly, uh, my folks who had some friends there for the afternoon, we we, um, we we dropped them off, or my folks were there, and I went to a CD store. I found a CD store in Kroonstad, South Africa, 14th of April, 1998. There you go, guys. And I'll pick up Matchbox 20, mm-hmm. yourself as someone like you. Gone with his goggles on. I've heard two tracks. Don't need to listen to anything more. Paying my bill. I'm going to get this album. This is me. Yeah. Um, so we carried on our on our journey later um, later that afternoon, and we get to about 250 k's from um, from our our hometown. And um, I hadn't driven at all through the day, so I'm 19 years old. One year year and a bit out of out of school, second year university, and um, I start driving this car and. It's Mercedes Benz. Um, nothing should go wrong. My brother's come. We, we've just watched. Um, it's Easter weekend. Easter Tuesday, and it's dark. It's misty. I'm driving down uh, a pass in in um, or uh, I'm not sure what you call it in Australia, and I drive up the back end of a truck in the mist. Right. In a murk. In a murk. In the mist. In the mist. In a murk. This truck had been um, had been on a dirt road. And the uh, the backlights, as a result, had all been blurred or muddied up, whatever. And this vehicle was wrapped. I wake up, and this vehicle is wrapped around my dad. And my mom is pleading for me to get this thing off his face. And he's concussed or not conscious, whatever. My brother's in significant pain. My mom's in significant pain. They've broken both their wrists. Uh, or oh, sorry, um, they're in the back seats. Um, I'm chewing on some glass, my eyes bleeding. Um, it's a stuff-up. It's really um, terrible. My dad didn't make that. He didn't make it out. Um, so, and there's the CD I've been listening to. A couple of days go by. 
um, we get back to East London and um, there's the CD in a broken cover, literally a broken CD cover. And like, I'm a mess. My folks, my mom and my brother have been in hospital for a couple of nights. My brother's got a compressed spine. Uh, my mom would require multiple operations to try and get her wrist to work properly. And there's Matchbox 20, first album. Wow. So I put this album in and it starts with Real World. And um, I'm like, you know, I wonder what it's like to be the rainmaker. And, um, and it's this like half euphoric, wow, what it would be like to, to have wonder in your life as opposed to, on a positive sense, as opposed to uh, I've got, you know, an impending culpable homicide charge against me for an accident in which my dad's died and I'm 19 years old. Flipping hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes into, into Long Day and I listen f- you know, from cover to cover. So I've, I've got this album. I don't know where my mom was. My brother's on his back in his bed for six weeks, hardly moving. Um, and was lucky not to break his back. Um, and so it goes into Long Day for me. And and Long Day goes... I believe that was a hit um, in America or elsewhere. But um, it was like, yeah, I, I need some hope. Mm-hmm. Please. Flipping. This is... This is, yeah, wow, what an album. Um, track number three goes on to 3AM, and which is a song about his mom who's got cancer. Yeah. And um, I didn't necessarily know that at the time that wasn't a, a prompt or anything. And I just thought, wow, what an interesting song. And how intriguing that as a human, you, you, so dis- you, you can be so dismissive of oneself and your needs, um, and you're concerned about your son taking a raincoat out at Hmm. you know when you leave um when your problems are significantly larger um and and we need to push from there and anyway it was it was it was a massive um it was the most significant period that i've that i've gone through and certainly changed my output on or my outlook forgive me on 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 life we 20 years it was a 20-year anniversary this year um since that accident and um I have to credit the album, and I'm happy to go through a bit more of it, I suppose, and talk in more in depth about um, what the songs mean to me. But it was, it was, um, whilst not something that or, or that um, it prevented me, or certainly contributed to preventing me doing something very, very silly in um, in the days and weeks post um, that tra- tragedy. Um, and so, yeah. There we go. Sort of just rip the bandaid off, guys. Yeah, no, that's real. I'm yeah, I'm really happy that you did. That you felt comfortable enough that you could rip the bandaid off here with us. Um, it's a huge story to share. Yeah, yeah. So um, I've actually gone to see Matchbox Twenty twice. Cool. Uh, about t- 2008 here in Brisbane, they um, they played probably would have been their second or third album, and um, and then once in Sydney with um with emma which is absolutely sensational cool. um to go and see and um yeah look the the uh, having looked up the 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 more formal side of it in wikipedia or whatever the websites are um said it spoke of themes of adolescence loneliness psychological abuse 
humiliation, depression, anger, and alcoholism well. <laughs> I was <laughs> sort of ticking a whole lot of boxes. Um, I feel like time. this is the exact perfect album I for you so, yeah. at that time. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think if you'd picked up a Bjork album or something, it just wouldn't have met your emotional needs to walk you through what you were going through at that time. Mm. Yeah. I uh, definitely think going into this, because I only know these guys are sort of the pop rock radio sort of stalwarts. That's traditionally where they are in Australia. Yeah. So I only knew sort of the singles and even the singles I hadn't paid that much attention to. So I went in definitely thinking, oh, yeah, it'll just be, not just, but it'll be songs about love and, you know, the standard sort of middle of the road sort of stuff. So then when I was, but then when I, for my first listen, right from that first listen, you can tell those themes of like that, he's really exposing himself and opening himself up on the album. Mm. And just, yeah, it's like really like mental health and anguish and sort of that sort of stuff that really shines through so many of the songs. So yeah. yeah. It definitely sounds like it was right up exactly what you needed. Absolutely. It's, it was um, very, um, very timely. Um, certainly, and to to pick up this, you know, as uh, the the disc, the CD cover itself was smashed in. It mm. was behind um, behind where my dad was sitting in, in the foot in the footwell, um, and you open it up and the disc's fine. You shove it in there, and I'm like, jeez, guys, this is um, this is really uh, resonates with with where I'm at right now, yeah. and um, and it was something to hold on to for um, for that period. So. Um, Anyway, what did you guys? What did you? You you you'd, you'd heard one song mm -hmm. from from uh, Mashbox Twenty before. What was your initial thoughts of it? Oh, well, from and this completely undercuts all of the really beautiful stuff that you've been talking sure. about. But my first thing was like, oh, that song I heard it on the radio. Heard it on the radio. It's like the kind of thing that was played loads for years mm. after it first came out, and it was the only th song I really knew. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of not really my my scene. So I just kind of left it as kind of like that rock music that you know guys that don't look like me listen to and just kind of left it there and mm. like it wasn't if it was played at a rock club I'm like I wouldn't put my drink down and go and run and dance to it sure. it was just like oh yeah that's cool I'll carry on chatting to my friends mm. kind of thing so I never investigated them further so I, I, I'd never sat down and actually listened to the record in, in fact I think I got Matchbox 20 and about three other bands all confused when you first said Matchbox 20 I was just like okay, are they the one that did that song or that song or that song? And I couldn't remember. And then I put it, I was like, oh, yeah, push you around. Got it. Yeah. So, yeah. So then that was the first time that I actually yeah. looked into it. And on my first listen, I was just like, all right, cool. Group of white guys playing a bunch of songs about some stuff that probably don't relate to me. Fine, whatever. And then I was like, I play. then I always play again. And then I investigate the lyrics and content behind something and went again, picked up on the same uh, some of the descriptions of some of the songs and what he was going through and talking about, and I was like, "Well, it's pretty powerful for a first record." For like, I don't, I don't know how old they were at the time when they mm. released it, but I was like, you know, that's usually you would stick to. I'm gonna be a rock star. Everything's cool. Yeah, I've got girls. Mm. Yeah, and all that kind of jazz. But it was my mum's dying of cancer, and I'm writing a song about it. And mm my friend died and I'm writing a song about that too because I feel really lonely and uh, other stuff that had come up for it. He was just came across as an incredibly lonely man who put a lot of passion into an album of stuff for you to wiggle around to. Like yeah. he sacrificed his emotions to make something that was really radio friendly. Mm. Well, I think it's also there's radio friendly and I don't, well, I, I'm, I'm not sure this album really lends itself to a whole of you know, putting your drink down and, and going and um, bopping on the dance floor. But mm. that was just 
I suppose where I was at as well when mm-hmm. I first heard it. I mean, absolutely. Um, but yeah, what are your your thoughts, sir? First time, yeah. Around? So, like I said, like I said, the first time going into it, I was like, oh yeah, this will sort of be a bit middle of the road, sort of pop rock, sort of not poppy, but yeah, pretty straightforward stuff. And on that first listen, after the first couple of songs, I realised that yeah, the, a lot of the things that he was talking about was like his own personal his life and the things that were happening to him in his life and his anguish and his own mental health and the mental health of the people that are around him. And so I sort of almost, for the rest of that first listen, I was really focused on that. I almost sort of cut the music out and I was just listening to the lyrics all the way through. Okay. And like, I really liked it that way. Like that, I was like, hey, this is really cool. Um, like, yeah, I really loved the way he was telling the stories and sort of figuring out the different aspects of all the stuff. So that was, yeah, it was an interesting way to go in as a first listen. So you said they've seen them live. What, what do they do live? What what grabs you live when they play? Um, look, probably the way, the way the way Rob Thomas certainly for a, for a period. I don't know whether he's still doing it at the, at the moment. Starts the concerts is basically you put down all your phones mm-hmm. and he just goes and and I mean from that was from maybe even two thousand eight. Um, it could have been earlier from what I from what um, you know other concerts and stuff on YouTube. But to just put everything down and just enjoy an hour and a half or two hours worth with the band. He says, please guys, you know, you've paid a lot of money for this. Don't waste it with your face behind a screen mm. mm-hmm. filming us yeah. because you lose so much. And I, um, and I think a lot of, we, we do, I think well, as society, we can just, you know, I've, I've recorded them live and you're like, well, maybe for you, but no one else really goes, yes, that looks awesome on your mm-hmm. little Apple phone or Samsung that you've recorded this album yeah. live. Um, so he's, and he's super, super, I think he's a very, very intense guy, even still, and certainly, you know, wants to give, um, a great performance all the time. Arguably would be, be, I think he'd be very hard on himself from all, from what I've seen in that performance perspective, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, he wants to give the best to, to the crowd each and every time. Yeah. Um, cause one of the things I found out from some of the research that I did is that he's really nice and really level-headed kind of guy like he's not the giant rock star he's not you know i'm cool like he is an international level rock star Mm. with his band and also with his solo stuff but he's not he's not his head is hasn't gone in the clouds or any of that so one of the things that i read that he said it's really funny because i think it's a thin line between hey look at me i'm a tenacious successful musician and my tenacity worked out and hey look at me i'm 44 and i'm living in my mum's house and still trying to get my band to work out you realize how lucky you are. Hmm. So he, wow, so he, eh? so he, yeah, it's just sort of, it's so great so that he's just so really level headed. Hmm. And then in that same interview, they were talking to him about, um, it was, they were touring with Counting Crows. Yeah. And he said, Who Grant and I love. Who obviously. Grant and yes. George love. And he's, uh, quote, Yes, we also have this great artist, Kay Phillips, who's playing before both of us and he is really amazing and I would like more people to check out his stuff. So in an interview where you're ostensibly there to sell yourself and your tour with two of the biggest rock bands in the world, all he wants to talk about is the guy who's opening for them who no one would have heard of at the time. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, I love this guy and I want more people to love this guy. So I was just like, just those two facts is really, even just in those two quotes really blew me away. Yeah. Not that, yeah, I wouldn't neg- necessarily expect him to be a bad no. super rock star guy, but I was just like, I was so happy to find out that, yeah, he's just level-headed and he's just a guy mm. doing what he can. Yeah, so she, but you do hear loads of bad stories about people that get famous and suddenly mm. become arseholes. Yeah. So it's always nice when you go, it's a fact. 
it's something you remark upon when you go, oh, they're good. Yeah. Mm. You go, that, that is remarkable, mm. actually. <laughs> let's, let's mention that in a podcast because yeah. <laughs> they're actually a nice guy. Because they did take a break for a while. Yes. And then they came back and then they brought out a new album. In, was it 2000? Uh, when like 12 or, 12 or, so, or something? Like, yeah, they brought out a new album and it went straight up into mm. the top of the charts again. Just went. Everyone went, oh, yeah, we've been waiting for this. Thanks. Mm. Thank you. Mm. So they've had a huge impact. And didn't he go platinum like a million on times? On his own, he might have. Yeah, I think so. I haven't got, got um, Rob's stuff on, it, on his own. But interestingly, interesting fact, and you guys probably would have, would have found this out in your research as well, was um, nine years after that uh, yourself or someone like you was released, the, um, the person on the front cover, Frank Torres, <laughs> um, lodged a, a lawsuit. Corrector. I did see that. Yes. Uh, for mental anguish. Um, and now, um, so he wasn't aware for, a, well, a number of years, maybe not quite nine, but um, he wasn't aware for a number of years that he was on, you know, this uh, album that sold 11 million copies mm. and um, found out about it and believe Matchbox when he settled out of court from what mm -hmm. I could see. Yeah, because I couldn't, I couldn't find the result. Yes. I, I knew yeah. that the lawsuit happened, but I couldn't find what the end result was. Because didn't they get their name from the jersey or something? Like they got the Matchbox Twenty was like the the number and like a sponsorship on the jersey of some like sports person or whatever, and they were okay. like, "Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, that's no, going to be our band name." Yeah, they didn't. I was like, "That's the most American one. name, yeah. <laughs> like way to get a name ever." It's like <laughs> sports jersey. It's got numbers and then words on it. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Matchbox Easy. Twenty. Yeah. yeah. So. I think that there was something around it being being written as two zero and then being spelt out twenty. Right. And it was like that was I don't, I didn't research that too much, but it was like oh, maybe between the first and second albums, and it was like okay, well, who cares? So it's gone from <laughs> two zero yeah. to twenty, but there was a reason for it, and. Anyway, maybe they thought that there was nineteen matchboxes before them, yeah. and twenty was the one that was winning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, can can I listen to the matchbox twenty if I haven't heard the first nineteen, or am I going to get spoiled? Or yeah. do I need to know the backstory of the nineteen other matchboxes? Yeah, yeah. sure. So, um, emotions aside, what was your favorite track? Um, yes, see, well, I mean, where do you where do you choose the favorite track? That's a great one. Um, a, well, look, that was the bloody uh, question, Brian. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> lo long day would probably be. Um, my favourite. It's got the good acoustic start, like mm. that. It's sitting by the overcoat, the second shelf, the notes she wrote that I can't bring myself to throw away. And I'll so reach the set for no one else but you. But you won't turn away when someone else is gone. I'm sorry about the attitude I need to give when yeah. I'm with you. And, um, and... Very, I could, I can actually strum that very poorly. Nice. Which can you? Know, we're gonna, we're gonna have to have an episode one day where we all bring in our instruments and play the parts of the songs that we've all yeah, said we, we can play in the podcast. Yeah, oh, we'll record maybe. that and see what happens. Yeah, I know, but I can play some Laura Marling, and it's really, really hard. So, like, you're all gonna judge me badly. No, I'll, I'll just play some drums to it. Yeah, um, like okay. a single drum, just a single snare <laughs> yeah. with like those soft. I don't even. I don't know the name of the. What's the drumstick with like lots of little soft metal bits on the end? The snare. No, the stick. With like oh, the brushes. The brushes. Yeah, yeah. I'll just bring in a brush and I'll just Maybe go super soft. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> there we go. And Grant will do the triangle. Oh, the triangle. Sure, that's the must, must yeah. be triangle. Did you have a favourite song, Liam? Um, I really liked a couple towards the end. I really liked um, Damn, mm-hmm. uh, just because it had like that really slow start and then sort of kicks off in the mm-hmm. chorus and there's a like a there's a build up like you can feel there's a there's a potential thing it's like oh this is going to explode and then it does things got surrounds on a way started from down i can't you can't sleep caught up in a bigger man down almost the matter girl where don't you think i'm bright enough this old man had a hard time getting here you can leave a number at the door I've talked before on this podcast about songs that feel like they're going to a thing and don't and how sometimes I feel let down a little when they don't deliver and this one like delivers like that big punchy chorus which was really cool and then also Busted yeah. which was um, which was sort of a bit more bit dark and twisted a bit more almost sort of closer to the like the album's got quite a tortured spirit and a soul of itself and this musically was a lot closer to what yeah to align a bit closer to how the lyrics Yeah, I think that one was my favourite. Yeah. Busted, I like it as well. Yeah, Busted was a good one. Um, so I think that one had uh, the rocky bit and it was, and it moves into that quicker bit partway through where you're like, oh, yeah. I have so to wiggle tempo now. Pick, tempo picks up for <laughs> yeah, the chorus. Tempo yeah, tempo picks up. Yeah, that's the correct terminology. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for picking me up on that. The wiggle, the, I have <laughs> the wiggle to wiggle. Bit. Yeah, we'll, we'll rename it that. Tempo the, is now the wiggle speed. The wiggle bit. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Uh, so yeah, you know, so like... Um, so I like that but going back to Damn that was the first time I properly noticed a guitar solo and mm. I wanted more of that okay I felt yeah, at the at the time so there's um, a history in guitar music guitar fronted music going back we're talking like going back to um, like New Orleans style where you have your solo music and then you go through a phase where there's none and then you go through a phase where there is and in this era very rare in in kind of post grungy stuff like the Nirvanas and all of the grungy stuff and getting into rockier things from going from the seventies where it was all like loads of fret wanking guitar solos mm, yeah. for half of a song. Um, this was an era without many guitar solos. I think Soundgarden did a couple. Sure. Um, so yeah, so this had that was the first time I noticed that there was a an actual guitar solo. It was just like a very nice one it wasn't ostentatious it was just simple and it fitted with the song and i was mm. like yeah no 
it's all right. I like that. It was, I'd have quite liked a couple more of those, like mm. guitarist man, whose name I've forgotten. Yeah, Carl Cook. Carl Cook. Just in case you're listening, just uh, go back, rewrite it, remaster, and just add a couple more solos. I think you'll do some <laughs> cracking ones. It'll be fine. And then the um, in the at the start of the song too, there's the the line where he goes. This And he puts the little inflection on the damn, like it's not just don't you know? It's, it's hard to tell whether he's saying damn as in I don't like her, or damn as in she looks so great and I want to go over there and talk yeah. to her. It's just like this little hump in the dam, which like, which one are you doing? I don't know. I noticed and I wrote it down in inverted commas a lot, uh, and then I stopped because. Um, but there is a lot of the lyrics start with she. Mm. In mm. nearly every song is she she she. She does this. She does that. She is this. She means this. She does that. And it's like you are. He's he was very reliant on other people to get through. He was obviously a very lonely person at that mm. time. It's like she does this. She does this. She acts like this in that way. And there's the one song who um, is I think is it three a.m. where he's very dependent on a woman. And she has previously been in difficult relationships and now she's the one abusing him. There's one of the songs where... That's, I think that's Push. Is that Push? Yeah. Yes. Oh, is that actually mm. in Push? All yeah. right. So, um, so, yeah, I'm just trying to go through my really... I hand wrote my notes today. Don't let me do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> like Cursive is not my friend, apart from the band Cursive. They are my... Like, I love them. Are they? Ooh, yeah. Like, are, you, are they actually your friends? Not my real friends. Okay. God, I've, Damn it. I've, I know I've, I've met Tim Kasher, but, cool. um, uh, and he's genuinely really nice, but I kind of just went, <laughs> and that was fine. Uh, but yeah, but I liked that. So it was, um, yeah, like, yeah, that's the one where, so he's with a woman who's clearly got PTSD and takes it out on him mm. and he doesn't really know what to do about it. And it seemed like a really interesting subject to put in a single. Yeah. I think it's a very brave album. I mean, mm-hmm. from for a first attempt, um, or there as a group, they were in um, certainly a couple of the guys were in um, Tabitha's, Tabitha's Secret. Secret. Yeah. yeah. So Paul Doucette mm-hmm. and, and Brian Yell and Rob were were in a previous band before this. But for their for their first album, I thought, wow, there's some serious some serious topics again. Yeah. I suppose that are that are addressed, and um, I think certainly the the reference to she or or, or she being in is actually in a number of other albums as well. Going mm-hmm. for the most recent one as well is also a lot of um, references to females. Yeah, in, yeah. In you know, degree. some bands like go Chelsea does this or yeah. Mary does that or whoever. You know, you know well, Connie throws it reference Anna a lot and Anna. Yeah, exactly. And they pick a name or whatever, but yeah. it's just like nope, she. You can be any. And so all those women out there going, I love you, can go, I'm that she. Yeah. And all the guys <laughs> out there can sing it to their partners and go. You're that she. You're that yeah. she. Yeah, you know, it's very clever. It's good marketing. Mm. Uh, yeah, but um, I really like the finish on this record because it's acoustic and sweet. Mm. Um, hang. Yep. I, I didn't like Hang as much. Well, okay. I didn't mind. I didn't dislike it, but I thought Shame was a really good... I don't know. I keep landing on albums where it's like, man, you, you have a really great finisher and then you go one song too long. So I really like Shame, but I thought, and it, it almost sounded quite kind of similar to Cannon Crows, A Murder of Crows, like a shorter version, like okay. less, like A Murder of Crows is this big epic yes. six minute thing, whereas this one's like a shorter version, but it, it sounded similar to that. And I was like, oh, this is like a cool end of the album. And then there was an extra track on the end, which kind of was like, ah. Oh. How funny is that? Because oh. I've literally written Shame, it left no impression on me. Right. 
<laughs> so like you and I've got like the opposites yeah. where I'm like I really enjoy hang I, and did, then, and I didn't mind hang I thought if they'd swapped them around and just had hang like second last all right. that would have been fine but I, I felt like Shame was a nice album ending <laughs> track and then there was one extra one Okay. but oh. yeah going back to that lyric on Push there was a bit of controversy at the time because he's singing So that sounds like a guy singing, I'm going to push my partner around. Mm-hmm. And then he said at the time, hey, you know, listen to the whole thing. Listen to all the lyrics. And at the start of the song, at the start of each verse, he says, she says this. She said, And so he puts himself into, like, it's the whole song is sung from her point of view. That's So it's actually her telling him, I'm going to push you around. Mm-hmm. But it's, mm-hmm. so his, not excuse, his answer to that is, you know, at the start I say, she said this. But then for the rest of each verse, he just says, I said, I said, I did, I said. So I can see why. And I did the same. My first reaction was, oh, that lyric's a little weird. And Michelle, my wife, had the same thing. He's like, yeah. this guy shouldn't be singing that. And and there was a bit of controversy. But I, his, yeah. If maybe if he'd said, she says more a bit more often rather than I said, I said quite as much, it would have been a bit clearer what he was trying to do. So in that instance, he needed to add more she said. More she said, yes. That's what we, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the so thing that we said he did too much of. Not enough of it. This one in that song, in that particular song. So if we took a couple of she's out of one of the others and then put it into that one, it would be. It's no, but it's still no smack my bitch up by Prodigy, is it? No, no, no. So it's still just it's it's subtler. Yeah, I'd say. And it's not like smack or push. And it's not like the whole out. The whole song is I said, I said, I said. Yeah. And then he's had to turn around afterwards and go, oh no, that's from her point of view. Like it's definitely he's written it the way he says that he's written it mm-hmm. but I think the reaction when you hear those two lines and you're going to hear those lines on their own and they're the chorus so they're the ones that people are going to hook on of course is understandable and it's the reaction I had and didn't you think with like after the push with girls like that it's like he's not famous yet right yeah. and this the, this seems to be this whole like all these girls style styles of women that he probably couldn't get like I kind of got that from the lyrics like they're this kind of woman they're this kind of woman blah 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 and I was like Ah, interesting. It's just like, just you wait, young man. <laughs> Give it a year, and uh, all those manic pixie dream girls are yours. Yeah, uh, you can do what you like. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But up until then, you can definitely write this. Like, this is a, a freshman album, isn't it? Mm. For yeah. a band that have gone on to be huge. So, so did you read up much about Tabitha's Secret, Grant? No, you heard any much? About no, them? I didn't actually. Okay, so the the stuff that I got, it's really yeah, it's just like. He's a really nice guy, and now I'm also like, oh, man, you little naive little guy, dude. So he was in a band, Tabitha Secret. They were touring around. They started getting a bit of A&R, you know, record label starting mm-hmm. to get interested, and he, the band broke up. And that was when Atlantic came to him personally and said, hey, we really like your stuff. How quickly can you put something else together? So he put himself away and spent five or six months writing this album. So this wasn't his first album, so that, that whole thing sure. where – you spend your lifetime writing your first album and five months writing your second one. This was his second one. This was his stab at like the second album. Mm-hmm. And the reason he had to do that was because when he wrote all the songs for Tab, he wrote all the songs for Tabitha Secret himself. And the band were like, "Hey, you should give the whole band writing credit for this." And he was like, "This naive little guy." And I was like, "Oh yeah, okay." So he, gave oh. the band got co-writing credit on all the songs. Yes. So then when Atlantic came around, if he'd if they'd redone the songs that he'd written for that band. And turn it into this like level album that other band would have the rest of the band members would have kept getting paid yes 
for his success. Like, so that's why he had to go away. Like, all right, I'm never playing those songs again. Yeah, going to come up with 13 new songs in five months, and we're going to break the world. Huh. I was like, oh, Rob, it's so Rob. nice. Rob, yeah. don't don't give band writing credits to anybody because no. they didn't help write a song. No way. Yeah. Like, <laughs> me and Grant have definitely got co-writing credits on Flawless. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> entirely. Yeah, in, the, in the details somewhere. Yeah, somewhere in our contracts signed. that we signed. Yeah, those contracts. The ones that he and I signed. That you multi-page. Know, yeah, yeah. Have we got our lawyers to check out it? Yeah. That was right. Yeah. So many lawyers. Oh, oh, That's cool. So many. <laughs> well, um, so yes, multi-platinum album in Australia, Canada, New Zealand. 12, as I say, 12 million copies worldwide. Um, I think they went all right for yeah. their, their first album. Yeah. Their first, <laughs> they first. went all right. Um, yeah, isn't you that British Aussie now? <laughs> Understating. Yeah, sure. Oh, they Fair went enough. all right. Exactly. And yet, you'd heard one song in yeah, twenty. No, well, the thing years. is, I heard that song and I didn't, didn't really didn't like, like it. it. Yeah, it wasn't my thing. So sure. I was like, well, it was it was for boys older than me. You were eleven, forgive me. Yeah, I was eleven, and I was listening to Britpop. Then moved into like horrible, aggressive Manic Street Preachers, punk, and everything else, and fifties jazz. I like, speak ill of Manic Street. No, but like so all the no, I don't mean way. horrible stuff. I mean like it was horrible. Like it was the one, like the Holy Bible was the first time in in, in history that my mother told me to turn that shit off. Mm. And I was listening to Metallica since I was a kid, and she was like, yeah. she was fine with anything heavy and aggressive. It was just the Holy Bible was just that vitriolic that she mm. couldn't stand it. So, wow. so when I say horrible, I mean in the best possible yes. way. Yeah. Sure. So okay, yeah, so cool. for me, this was like radio rock, and I was like, yeah, that exists. Sure. Was it big in the UK? Because it strikes me that like that's Probably. basically the the highlight of like ninety five, ninety six is basically the highlight of Oasis vs Blur and all the rest of the Britpop stuff yeah. that was happening. So I wouldn't, I don't know if there would even. I don't a think space so because at that time you had bands like Bush who had to who were English who yeah. had to leave England to go mm. to America to be famous sure. and sound like American to be a rock band, bands, yeah. yeah, to be a big sure. rock stadium rock band. Yeah, because we were all about the yeah, it was Mod. all Britpop and mods and this and the other and bringing all that back. So to be a rock band, like obviously Nirvana and stuff were big up until the end, but like there was not there was the undercurrent, but you wouldn't get huge like radio rock bands playing mm. a lot it was was blur and oasis and yeah. pulp and stuff like that that like that's from Super what i remember oh, yeah like that's all the stuff that i remember from yeah. listening when i used to get my cassette recorder to, for the top 40 every sunday yes. and i would like you know days. record the song and try and stop it just before they start talking you know mm. and like just record all the song from the whole thing um and now we can, then I learned, got Napster. Yeah. Um, but yes. like. It, Which is very bad and people shouldn't use. Shouldn't use it, definitely. Well, don't. <laughs> can you it, even use yeah, it? it no, who it even knows what it is? Um, yeah, so uh, it wasn't, I don't think England really had much in that era. Yeah. In that, mm. like, we didn't really have stuff. Like, if anything, I got it off, I got people like Soundgarden and Rage Against the Machine or whatever mm. o- sure. off of MTV specific shows. Yes. But not on circulation. Too busy exporting stuff to be importing yeah. stuff. Yeah, we were. Souls. Yeah. No, and again, and for mine, it's, it was, it's a highly contextual album for me. This yeah. was like on the back of, I've heard two songs. Here we go. Buy it in the day. This tragedy happens. This one's come from, from this, you know, random pickup uh, on your way. And mm. it's, um, they didn't get much 
bigger, certainly. They were, if anything, when I picked the album up, it was pretty old then. Yeah. You know? I'm picking it up in April of 98, and this has been released since the end of 96. So the, you know, the radio playing mm. that was certainly subsiding mm. um, at that time in, in, in South Africa. But they did, they did last quite long with their single. So the first single was Long Day, which yep. was October 96, then Push in May 97, then 3M in November 97, then Real World in June 98, and then Back to Good in October 98. So they basically got two and a half years worth of singles. Out of it. All out, out of, of the first half of the album. Yes. Yeah. Ah, didn't pick that one up. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a 12-song album, and there's... Uh, Back to Good was the last one. That was number six. Yeah. Number six. Yeah. And Which I wouldn't necessarily have picked as a single. No. But, yeah. I would have thought Busted or the, or um, or Shame or Hang for that matter. I probably would have I probably, I probably gone earlier. I probably would have gone Back to Girl like that, which would have just made five singles out of the first five tracks. <laughs> but just like a real poppy sort of up, like yeah. nice, chunky sounds guitar. upbeat, chunky guitar yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. All right. Ah. Good. Well, that's my story, guys. I think um, that's a bloody good story. Yeah, I want to thank you very much for sharing. That's really, I'm really glad you could. And did. Totally didn't know that. I feel like yeah. we should get drunk together more. Yeah. Well, look, um, I've uh, it is said. I haven't. Uh, it's not something I necessarily you, you want to brag about or discuss all the time. But mm. it is something that that has happened, and I've uh, I deal with um, not quite constantly. But you know, it, it certainly has cha- changed my perspective on on what one values in life and how quickly it can change. Um, and at 19, you know, um, wow. I, I yeah. look back as a, as a 40-year-old now and go, shit. Yeah. That was a really sucky thing to happen. It's um, a big trip to take for, an, like a, for a 19-year-old, a big yeah. emotional trip too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and this album and some friends really helped me through through that period of my life and um when when the albums come on again it's, this is a little bit random but um when my mom got remarried in 2007 on the drive there um to the uh to the to the wedding ceremony 3 a.m comes on and i'm like shit yeah that's really cool no and um like on a radio station in uh randomly in south africa in 2007 um there's you know 3 a.m comes on whilst i'm on the way to give my mom away so mm. i walked it down the aisle so um yes it's been for me it's been a fantastic album and and um one that is melan can be melancholic mm. i suppose um and and yeah understandably so but I think uh, it's e- even like it's a really emotional journey the album itself yeah. before you before a listener starts attaching sort of their own meaning to it like it's yeah like it was all like it was already there as an emotional journey in the album. And then obviously you've got your extra definitely layers of meaning that you add to it as well. Yeah. So anyway, we've come to, to that part of the, of the session that we have to say yay or nay. Is this a flawless album or not? May I start with you, Liam to my right. You can. Um, like I said, I wasn't expecting a lot from it. I hadn't heard the album before. I knew the, the, the main singles and everything. And that just that first listen, I was actually really, happy to have my expectations defined i was like man this is really cool and i really like i liked doing that deep dive into it good enough (laughs) do you want me to stop there (laughs) (laughs) no Um, i'm I'm glad yes the problem was when i rolled back around to have more listens to it still had that emotional attachment to it but instrumentally i really didn't feel it didn't stretch at all like it felt really bland just the music wise behind it like george said there's really only that one guitar solo Mm -hmm. and the rest of the time it didn't really feel like it was 
doing a lot. Like it was really pretty straightforward in that thing. So I think, yeah, emotionally and spiritually in his journey was great, but I would have liked to have it attached to something that did a little bit more musically. And towards the end where, like I said, with um, uh, Dam and Busted, where it started sort of wavering a little bit and started trying a few more different things, I really like that. But I, yeah, I would have liked to have a bit more front-loaded and all the way through the album too. So sure. unfortunately, yeah, I can't give it flawless. That's okay. Thank you for your feedback. Well, I want to thank you, first of all, Grant, for sharing the journey that you went through for this mm. record and bringing that to us today. That's huge. Was not expecting emotions. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> um, feeling is not my forte. So um, I... Yet. Yet, I'll learn. Uh, yeah, so um, researching this record, so I was list- without obviously having the context, um, I was looking at it going, there are so many fans. It has been released so many times and there are so many things to it. And I was like, I think I'm flawed because I can't find it flawless. Like, I was like, I couldn't find the record flawless, mm. but, I f- but I was like everyone else does mm. like there's so there's <laughs> millions of people out there who are going this is the one right and there's just and there's, mm. there's whole pages and pages on the internet of people saying this is like their number one record of all time so if you should join them you should go and hang out tell them your story you will <laughs> absolutely be their king um no. but like it was just i was listening to it going i would i enjoyed listening to it and went okay cool i've done that now mm. uh, but it's probably not something i'd pick up and pop on my own my own like record collection sure so it's not a flawless record but your journey has been a flawless experience Mm. for me thank you so thanks very much for your feedback guys and and to everyone listening thanks very much i hope you do um flawless is recorded at the edge studios at the state library of queensland which is a fantastic free space so please do check them out if you'd like to help us get the word out about Flawless, you can give us a rating and feedback on most major product uh, podcast services, which helps other music lovers to find us. We have a Facebook page that you can be part of the conversation on. It's facebook.com forward slash Flawless AMP. And you can give us a rating or like or share there too. Every single little bit helps. We also have a Twitter twitter.com uh, forward slash flawless amp and an instagram account which is instagram.com forward slash again flawless amp <laughs> thanks again for listening we'll see you next time we didn't get across the line but we will keep trying thank boop, you boop.